0: Well, uh, I enjoy a a good church joke just as much as anyone else, and this one tickled my uh, fancy just uh, this week. Uh, I've always told my people you can't take it with you, but Harry must not have been listening. Now you've heard the person who said you've never seen a hearse uh, with a uh, dragging U-Haul behind it. Well, now you have. You know, what makes this particular joke so effective is that it teaches us. There's only one way that we can take it with us, only one. You know what that is? Send it on ahead. We cannot take any of it with us after we die, but we can send it on ahead before we die. Look uh, at this verse with me for just a moment and read it with me Matthew six twenty. Please join me. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you know there's only three ways that we can use our resources? Only three. We can spend them, we can keep them, and we can give them. Those are the only three ways that we can use our resources. And there are only three results of those three ways. What are those three results? Well, a very well-known pastor many years ago in America, Henry Ward Beecher, put it this way. He said, "What I spent, I had, what I kept, I lost, but what I give, I have." And he was exactly right. <clears throat> now this does not mean that we should not invest. <clears throat> we all know the Bible teaches us. that it does not mean we should not are to invest and prepare for our future. It does not mean we should not spend because we all have to spend to provide for our needs and the needs of our family. But what this is teaching us is this. In God's economy, the way to lay up treasures in heaven is to give. Let me say that again. In God's economy... The way that we lay up treasures in heaven, one of those ways is to give. Now, all of us know that this is true, yet why is it hard for us sometimes to give? It was interesting, several years ago um, in the book, Don't Waste Your Life, John Piper revealed this on average, Americans give less than 3% of their income to churches or charity. Think about that. On average, Americans give less than 3% of their income to churches or charity. Now, I believe the people here at Bethel are way above average. But if we were an average American today, it would be less than 3%. And so one of the questions we have to ask is, how do we become cheerful givers? How do we gladly, freely, with open hands, give to the Lord's work? Well, I want us to see that in the message today. As we continue in our series, Living in the Shadow of the Cross, from the Gospel of Mark, we are coming today to see a widow who gave an amazing gift. The only one who recognized her gift, are you ready, was Jesus. Everyone else overlooked her, everyone else ignored her, but what Jesus saw when she gave is the key to being a cheerful giver. This morning, as we continue in our series in the Gospel of Mark, we come to Mark twelve forty-one to 44 You will find it on page 1009 in the chair Bible in front of you. And I invite you to turn there with me this morning and follow along as I read from God's Word. Page 1009 in the chair Bible in front of you, uh, or Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And follow along as I read. And he sat down opposite the treasury. And watch the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's pray for just a moment. Thank You, Father, for this unknown widow. Thank You for 2,000 years she has taught through what Jesus said what it means to be a true giver. Teach us today to have a heart like hers that is precious in the sight of the Master. And we'll thank You and praise You for making us More like yourself. For Jesus' sake. Amen. I want you to notice as we look at this story that there are two questions that it is really dealing with. Number one, what does God evaluate when we give? And number two, what kind, what we discover does God approve? Now, as we look at this opening question, what we discover is the answer is really quite surprising. God evaluates the giver, not the gift. Think about that this morning. As God evaluates you and your life and your giving patterns, it is not the amount of your gift that He is evaluating, it is you yourself that He is evaluating. Now, the place where Jesus sat is called the temple treasury and uh, through this image you can see exactly what was occurring that morning. There were 13 trumpet-shaped receptacles with round openings at the top for depositing money in the temple. These large containers were placed in the court of the women, and they were designed to receive offerings that would help with the considerable upkeep and operation of the temple. Do you know the court of women could hold 15,000 people? And this was Passover. Large crowds would have filled the temple providing Jesus a lot of opportunity to observe the actions of the people. Now I want you to notice that Mars First, in verse 41, the rich, who He says, threw in large sums. Now, we can't say this for all, but for some, you know what this was? An opportunity for show and tell, wasn't it? I mean, Jesus in the previous verses that we have looked at, indicted the scribes for being phonies who loved to show off their religious piety and they loved the recognition and adoration of the people. What a chance this was for them, right? You can just imagine. As they dropped their gold and silver coins into the opening. As it bounced off and rolled around the neck and and ultimately dropped onto the belly of the containers, it provided all kinds of opportunity for people to stand around and watch with oohs and ahs about how people could give so very, very much with such ease. Those were the rich. But then I want you to notice, next, a poor widow comes and she, now that she was two small copper coins. Now that she was poor, you can see here from her clothing, and that she was a widow would indicate that she came by herself at Passover. Certainly if she had had a husband, he would have been with her. Do you know how poor she was? The word poor that is used here literally is begging. And it indicates that she was dependent upon others for support. So this should not at all surprise us that she could give just a very little amount to the temple treasury. When the Bible says in verse 42, she threw in two small copper coins, it is literally two mites. Uh, By the way, this story is often called the widow's mite, but shouldn't we give her credit? It was two mites that she put in. And the Greek word for the coin that she used is an interesting word. It is the word lepta. And it literally means host or peeled, It means fine or thin one or small. You know what we would call it? We would call it a sliver. That's what we would call it. It was the smallest coin in circulation in Palestine in that... uh, Let me show you two mites about the size of our dime. And if you think they're small, wait till you hear what they're worth. Did you notice verse 42? Mark says these two mites make a penny. Now two mites was equal to a Roman quadrants. A Roman quadrants was one sixty-fourth of a Jewish denarius, which was a day's wage, for the average Jew. So this is what I would want you to do. Take what you make in one day, divide it by 64. That's two mites worth. You know what that is? That's about seven and a half minutes of your daily work. I want you to think with me just for a moment. What do you get paid in seven and a half minutes on your job? That's what that was worth, what she gave. Now I have to ask a simple question. Why in the world is this even mentioned? This, there's almost accomplished nothing. So why is it even mentioned? There's something we need to see very, very clear here in this passage. When the Bible says that Jesus watched the people putting money into the offering box, the original language says this, He was watching how they put money into the offering box. That is very, very significant. Jesus just did not see the gift. He saw the hearts. That's what we're seeing here. It wasn't the size of the gift that mattered most. It was the size of the heart that Jesus saw. Do you know in Scripture, the issue is never how big our gift is? The issue is always... How big is our heart? God is far more concerned with how we give rather than what we give. You see, He's not looking at what is in our hand. What He's looking at is what is in our soul. God is looking for our motives. And if our motives are right... Then are today pastor how much If you were to come to me and, and say to me today pastor how much should I give I would say to you I cannot tell you how much you should give But this is what I would say that's really the wrong question Because the right question is what are your motives Because if our motives are right then the gift will take care of itself. And if our motives are what the Lord wants them to be, then the amount will be what He wants us to give. And so I cannot tell you what to give. What I can say is this. Examine your motives before God. Make sure your motives are right. Then when you give, the amount will take care of itself. Now, what are the motives that Jesus saw? Well, that's really the second question that we see in this story. Because when we move to question two and we ask what kind of giving does God approve, we're really looking at motives And so, notice that there were two motives that impelled this woman. Let me ask you this much as he was. All of us sit here today and Jesus is examining our hearts as much as he was hers. Are these our motives? Here's the first one. God approves giving that shows he is first. God approves giving that shows He is first. Did you notice what Jesus said? Verse 43, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Now obviously Jesus here is talking proportionately. By giving the two mites, she was clearly giving all that she had, all that she possibly could give. And by tossing in both mites, her gift was far more costly in personal terms than the rich who were pulling out of huge money bags. By the way, have you ever stopped and asked yourself this question? Why didn't she just give one mite? Why give both? Why not just say, okay, Lord, this is all I have. I'll give half to You. That's fine, And I'll keep half for myself. Why didn't she do that? Well, in my research, this is what I discovered. The rabbis had a rule. You could not give one mite. And so she faced a real dilemma. If she didn't give both, she could give nothing. Can you imagine her struggle? For her, it was really all or nothing at all. If she kept both because she couldn't give one, God would get nothing. And this is what she decided. If it came down to God over her, she would put God ahead of herself. Do you see this? By the way, why is this so important to God? I mean, after all, there, there are a lot of ways for us to show that God is important to us. And God owns everything. He doesn't need anything. And so, why would this woman giving everything that she had for her daily food that day, why would this be for God? And it's because of the second motive. You see, if the first motive is that God approves of giving that shows He is first, then the second motive is this. God approves giving that shows He is loved. Let me ask you this morning, is God in heaven pleased when we demonstrate love? And you know the answer is yes. And because God loves to be loved by His people, He loves to see giving that shows He is loved. It's interesting when Jesus said about the rich they gave out of their abundance, the word abundance there suggests the overflow or the excess. It was used earlier in Mark for the scraps or the leftovers that would fall off of somebody's table. That's what the rich gave. They gave the scraps. They gave the leftovers. By the way, you know what somebody said need, if we give only that which we do not need, it is not giving. If we give only that which we do not need, it is really not giving. Um, The the other day I I noticed in our refrigerator there was a a two-week-old rice casserole. And I said to my wife, "Uh, honey, you just ought to throw that thing away. It's been there for two weeks. And she said, well, no, I'm not going to waste it like that. She said, at least we could invite some of the church people over and serve it to them. Now, you know that's a fictitious story, don't you? And you know my wife would never do that. You don't serve guests whom you love leftovers, do you? You never never do that. You see, that's the secret here. This woman gave out of her poverty what she needed for herself because of her, it was her food money for. Jesus said it was all she had to live on. What that means is it was her food money for that day. So it was not the extras, but it was the essentials. And you know what this meant? She would not be able to eat again until somebody else blessed her so that she could go and buy food. That's why Jesus was so very, very amazed. One of the great statements I read this week came from Amy Carmichael, missionary to India. Amy Carmichael poured out her heart for the orphans in India for her entire life. She never took a furlough. She served for 55 years, caring for the orphans. And obviously for that to happen, she had to be supported by the gifts of God's people for her entire 55-year career. And this is what she said because she learned this firsthand. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And she was exactly right. Now, we may have a question here this morning. Is Jesus teaching us that unless we give all of our money, we cannot have His approval of giving? The answer to you is no. No. Jesus is not teaching a method of giving, but a principle about Christian living. And that principle is this. God wants us to love Him so much that we put Him first in our lives. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, please get this. This is what Jesus is teaching. God wants us to love Him so much that we put Him first in our lives, and how we give to God shows our love for Him. That's the principle that's being taught. Now, you know, as you look through the rest of the Bible, what you discover is that this widow shows us the basic principles of Christian giving. If you are here this morning and you've never really thought about this, what does the Bible teach about Christian giving? They're all illustrated in this woman. But let me give them to you from several very important passages of Scripture, All right, Here are the principles of Christian giving. Let me ask you, are you this kind of giver? Are you this kind of giver? Number one. The Bible says that Christian giving is planned giving. In 1 Corinthians 16.2, the apostle, we can give give on the first day of the week, uh, storing up so that we can give on that first day, which obviously is the Lord's day. So the point that's being made there is we are to plan our giving. Uh, Some years ago, the Detroit News published a study on giving trends in 125 American churches across five different denominations, and here's what they discovered. The smallest amounts come from those who decide on Sunday how much they'll give. So if you wait till the last minute, and you think, oh, I hadn't even thought about this, and so I'm going to give on the spur of the moment. Those are the smallest amounts. The largest amounts come from those who give 10% of their income to the church. But listen to this. The second largest amounts come from those who plan how much to give in a given year. Second largest amounts. Those who plan what they're going to give. I like what one fellow has said. I have regular time for washing my face. Regular time for combing my hair. Regular time for dressing and brushing my teeth. Regular things get done, don't they? Giving is... If it is not done regularly, it doesn't get done. But if it's planned to be regular, it gets done. Look at the second principle. Proportional giving. Proportional giving. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, We are to give as the Lord has blessed you. You see, that was the problem with the rich in this story. They did not give as they could have. They didn't give in proportion to their blessing. What God wants us to do is to think and pray over how good He has been to us, how much He has blessed us, and then give in light of that blessing. Here's a simple question. If we get a raise, if we get a much larger refund than we uh, thought we were going to get, Does that blessing from God show up in how we give? That's proportional giving. Here's the third one, sacrificial giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-4 says, The churches in Macedonia, in Greece, gave out of their deep poverty, out of their deep thing for ourselves. Here's a question for us. Do we ever give up something for ourselves for the sake of giving to the Lord? When push comes to shove, and we have to stick with something old rather than buying something new, do we do that so that we can maintain or increase our giving to the Lord? You see, that's sacrificial giving. And then finally, cheerful giving. Second Corinthians 9.7 is one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. God loves a what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. Uh, by the way, there was a statement in a church bulletin, and it said this, God loves a cheerful giver, but He also accepteth from a grouch. May I ask you this morning? Do you think this lady was a grouch when she gave her two mites? All she had to buy food that day? I don't think so. In fact, I think she went home with joy in her heart because if there's one thing that causes it it is... It is giving to somebody that we love. It is giving to somebody that we love. And then can you imagine the joy she would have experienced if she knew what Jesus said? Jesus and His disciples were watching her secretly and she had no idea what Jesus said, but think of us if we give the way she gave, we know what Jesus is saying. And there is no joy in all the world like giving to somebody that you love. Let's watch this morning. Let's see this morning who had the real joy? Let's watch. widow of the truth. I say unto you that this poor widow had cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had. God's people said, Amen. Let's pray together. Father, make us like this unknown widow. Help us to reflect the heart and motives that she had. Lord, may our giving be planned. May it be proportional to Your blessing. May it be sacrificial sometimes putting you ahead of ourselves. And may it be done with a cheerful heart, because giving to somebody that we love always produces joy. And Father, if we'll give in that way, then the amount will take care of itself. That's really never the issue. It's never what is in our hand, but far more significant to You what is in our heart. may we give as those who put You first because we love You so much. Thank You for Jesus' sake. Amen.